Hey, Vinny. Hi, T. Lou. Ever heard of Locked On Cubs? Uh, yeah, I have. Why? Well, we're going to talk about it next. Swung on a jolt deep to right field. There it goes. See ya. First hit of the year. Oh. Drives one. Deep left field. That goes up there. Back near the wall. It's out of here. Good morning, good afternoon, and good evening, folks. Welcome to episode 63 of the Big Fly Pod with your co-host, Vinny D'Amato and T. Lou. Today, we have a fantastic interview for you all as we welcome Matt Cozy to the show. Matt is the co-host and the producer of the Lockdown Cubs podcast. They become one of the top Cubs-based podcasts out there, and in my opinion, the best in the game. You can listen to Lockdown Cubs on all your preferred podcasting platforms and can also watch them on YouTube. Please welcome the Big Fly Pod, Matt Cozy. Thanks for hopping on, man. Ty and Vinny, thank you so much. It's been a pleasure listening to, to this show, and now to be on it is, is very exciting. And uh, I know these are the two resident Cubs fans on the show, um, so this this seems right. It is. It is. We are – so we told this to Sam as well that since um, I started the show – that uh, we, I deserve a few presents throughout the year, and that is to have a couple just only talking Cubs based shows, and that's what we're going to do here today. But we do want to dive into some other things, Matt. We want to talk about your career. We want to talk on you know the success that Lockdown Cubs has had, and diving into that a little bit. But then, of course, we got to talk Cubs at the end. Um, have a lot yeah. of questions that we're going to do. We go through a little bit of an outlook series that we do for each individual team. Uh, that has been a grind in itself to get through all of them. But uh, seeing the Cubs finally come up on our list was very exciting. And so I thought, well, kind of need to get probably one of the best in the game to talk about it, which is yourself. So it's going to be a lot of fun. So, um, but Matt, let's 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 tailor it back here a little bit and start from the beginning. Obviously, you grew up in the northwest suburbs of Chicago, right. um, and you attended Prairie Ridge High School. In Crystal Lake. Wow, we're going way back. We're gonna go way back here. But How I'm much curious. research did you do? We did. We did. We um, know I, your I, schedule, freshman year, and Social Security credit. What was my GPA? Uh, uh, we don't want to bring that up. Um, yeah. I'm curious though. Did you did you ever get involved in any sports related journalism or even broadcasting during your time at PR, or did that no happen later in your career? It happened on my own. I, I did some shows with um, one of my best friends uh, who was on the the Cary Grove side of Cary in the northwest suburbs we would do shows as middle schoolers and and burn them onto a CD and then hand them out to our parents afterwards um and then I did a baseball newsletter like around the same time um and then just you know read the newspaper listened to the radio all the time so that was really my my upbringing in in media but actually as a student in high school I never jumped on it. It wasn't until my freshman year at Iowa that I got involved more at a official level with that. Now at Iowa, what was that like? So was it freshman? You said freshman year is when yeah, you sort second of semester. This. Yeah. So you did the journalism route plus also getting your teaching degree, correct? No. So I, I just did the journalism route. Um, you know, early on into my experience at Iowa, I knew that journalism was the, the the path I wanted to take. I had considered teaching and coaching as a high schooler, but 
um, you know, had a lot of these interests in writing and radio and TV. And being at a big school like Iowa, they were just filled with opportunities like that. And, um, and so I wanted to take advantage of it and embrace it. And so, shoot, probably a month into college, I emailed the, the editors of the Daily Iowan, a student newspaper there. And uh, they said, you know, we don't have anything right now, but keep in touch. And then I heard back from them in like November or December. I want to say it was between the two breaks, between uh, Thanksgiving and winter break. And they said, hey, we have a spot, you know, for second semester on the sports staff, um, you know, report at this time in, in January to, to, to the newsroom. And so I joined the Daily Iowan staff that, that January, second semester of my freshman year. And I worked there through my junior year. And then, uh, you know, simultaneously did student radio and then finished doing student radio as well that my, my senior year. Um, so, yeah, teaching was was when I not only changed careers, but then moved back from from Iowa, um, because after I graduated, I uh, was with a newspaper in Iowa City. And so I lived there for three more years. So I was in Iowa City seven years total. It was a, a big part of my life. Um, but yeah, I, I realized that reporting and writing for a newspaper was not going to be something long-term, uh, for a number of reasons. And so I would, you know, think about, well, what's next. And, you know, I think the communications route was possible like corporately, but, um, you know, teaching and coaching that, that was my mentors growing up. And I, I thought about it. I'd start to visualize it. Um, I was covering high school games for the paper and I was like, I, you know what, I, I should be in the third base box giving signs and I should be in the classroom. And um, so that paired with some family things, I, I moved home and, uh, and then changed careers. Yeah. That is incredible because for anyone to make a move like that, and I, I'm putting myself in, in your shoes during that time and at that age, it's, it's a lot. And it's a lot to take on with what you thought you were going to do. And all of a sudden it's like, Hey, this is completely changed for me. Mm -hmm. So you come back home, you're now you're doing this at which high school in. Yeah. So I was working at a high school. I worked at Prairie Ridge uh, as a paraprofessional while I went to go get my teaching certificate. So I had a good amount of crossover on the English side to become an English teacher, but needed to do the education part. So I was a supervisor while I got certified to teach. And then I taught uh, my first teaching job was at, at Cary Grove. Fantastic. So now you have this teaching, obviously, th this new career going on. You have an entirely new kind of chapter of your life happening. Yeah. Yeah. But you are also still podcasting at the time or you are starting to create a podcast? Yeah. So I, I started a podcast in, in spring of 2020. So this was the thick of the pandemic. And I had considered podcasting for a while, you know, it was something that I sketched out. I, I'm an idea factory for better or worse. I have tons of ideas. Um, how I got in touch with Ty was because of one of my weird ideas. I, we could get to that story later in the show if you want to. But um you know, I, I did want to start a podcast. I had sketched out ideas. I had a name for one for year, like a couple of years, I want to say. And so finally, I just did it. And, you know, we were all home and uh, thick of the pandemic. And I started this show called Eavesdrop, 
And I, again, I had that name in my head for a while. I had a friend of mine create the logo. And I did about 25 episodes of Eavesdrop. Um, and it was just catching up with my friends that were up to cool things in their lives. And people would just eavesdrop on it. Well, in August of 2020, simultaneously with Eavesdrop, or I guess getting away from that show on my own, because that was just an interview show. And, I, you know, it would be really fun to do a talk show. And so um, one of my good friends, Sam, Sam Olber, has a gift of gab, as you guys know, and as now the universe knows. And, you know, I've known that for a long time. And I started hanging out with Sam because of my cousin, Nick Cozy. Um, Nick and Sam have known each other since they were like seven. And Sam and I started a show in August of 20. And uh, we did a show every every single week and, uh, you know, got a lot of reps. It was mostly Cubs, but also Bears, pretty much anything. Um, and we started doing that. And at first it was just because we wanted to, but little did we know it there was more more to come we will have to see if we can get our hands on some of those tapes in middle school that you oh i got i got some mp3s of that i would love to listen to those and you know i I, have you listened to those at any point recently i mean just yeah so i can send you guys when matt was on my friend matt so we did the matt matt show uh, for like five episodes, he burned him on the CD, like I said. Well, I had him on eavesdrop. So then at the end of his episode in 2020, we played a clip. Oh, cool. Um, it was of us interviewing Juan Pierre. So we we took an interview of Juan Pierre from Cubs.com when the Cubs acquired him from, I think it was from it's the Marlins. Marlins, yeah. And then we would like put it up to the speaker and we made, we manipulated it. Like we were asking him the questions. That's awesome. And it sounds completely real. Like we completely fooled all our families and neighbors down the street. And so that's, that's out there somewhere. If you, you could find that somewhere. That, that is, is incredible. so cool. Yeah. That oh, is that such is... a cool thing. And yeah. it shows your creativity. Yeah. Like, like you mentioned, you're an idea. Fa- I mean, that is just, that's a cool idea. So props for that. Um, I was curious. So Tyler did some research for Locked on Cubs and um, finding some numbers from YouTube, right? You guys have 8,000 subscribers on YouTube. Some of your videos have been viewed, you know, 10,000 times. So what was like, you know, now that you're, I don't want to say you've made it right, because it's a journey, but what were your original ideas for the show? Like, and, and yeah. as that reached fruition or, you know, how do you, how did it grow? And can you talk about that journey? Yeah. So we, Sam and I were doing a show every single week, getting a lot of reps and and we knew we were doing a good show, but just that nobody was listening. Literally we got 50 to 60 downloads an episode, but we were content. We just having a good time. Um, but knowing the industry, like I do previously being in journalism, I knew there was maybe another step. And uh, shortly after opening day of 2022, the host of lockdown Cubs left. And I didn't think anything of it, but every now and then I would check the feed. And by the summer, by the time summer rolled around, there was still no new episodes posted. Um, so finally, we uh, got with Sam. I said, should we reach out to Lockdown? Maybe we could take over their show. And they have a really unique model where they, they have a show for all, all the teams in the four major sports, five episodes a week, 20 to 30 minutes a show. 
And uh, we actually, if you wanted, do you want the full story? I mean, yeah. It's actually very it crazy. Me. So Give it to me. So I was around the same time, you know, I saw there was no new episodes in June. I had this routine after teaching summer school where I would go out to lunch. And so um, it was around the same time I was trying to get in touch with Lockdown. And I walk into a subway in Crystal Lake. And uh, there's this guy in there with a Locked On hat. And I go, well, how do you know Locked On? He goes, oh, my name is Jack. I'm the host of Locked On Blackhawks. Jack Bushman. Wild, yeah. And uh, was like, no way. I've been trying to get in touch with Locked On about their Cub show. Do you know if it's still open? And you have emails of, of living, breathing humans that I could send a note to. And he said, yes, it's still open. Here's two emails. And I do not believe in coincidence. Um, that I, I always remember that day. Uh, I think it's just absurd. I'm still in touch with Jack, you know, once in a blue moon. Um, but it was crazy that, that he was there that day. Um, you know, we did a couple demos for lockdown. Eventually we got the show and it's been a very, um, fun process. You know, we started off with a little bit of a built-in audience, but not much, mm -hmm. um, you know, audio and video five days a week is no joke. Um, both Sam and I have really gotten to a groove and um, we're very grateful. And yeah, we've had a few different spikes. We had one again about a month ago in growth. And um, it's, uh, yeah, it's, it's pretty crazy. It's pretty crazy, but we're enjoying it. Uh, we hope to continue to grow as, as hopefully the team does. Um, but yeah, it's the whole part of the process I really enjoy, and uh, it's been a blast. That is awesome. That's a such a cool story. And this isn't on our sheet, but I'm curious. What's and yeah. I know everyone else listening is curious. What's the subway order that you have? Oh, the subway order was I think, and that's good that you went off script. Um, this show, <laughs> this show is legit. Uh, I think it was chicken bacon ranch with a like a large Ooh. Dr Pepper. Maybe White some sour cream wheat? and onion chips. Yeah, sour cream. Oh, I was going to ask about the What's side. the bread? What's the bread? Uh, Italian herbs and cheese. I was going to say, you got to go with the Italian herbs, right? That's the yeah. only bread yeah. worth mentioning. Special, man. This guy's special. Um, yeah. I did want to ask, because obviously we're still trying to. I don't to know make... if I even answered the original question. Oh. <laughs> so I You 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 did. You did. Oh, okay. because, because, Matt, I mean, seriously, like, it's so cool. You, you and I have had a, a great relationship, of course, since uh, – when you know, you mentioned earlier in the show how you and I originally connected, we had interviewed. Um, I'm blanking on the Jimmy name, unfortunately. Jimmy Greenfield. That's why you're better than this than I am. But it was it was so cool because from then on, you know, I've learned about your journey and and learning about some of the stories you talked about thus far. But um, it's just amazing to see when people are truly inspired to to work on these things and work towards. You know, having something like you do now, and probably you're going to have even, you know, even more things here in the future that you envisioned from the beginning. Mm. You know, when you describe all that, it just makes me smile, man, because it's just mm. really cool to see what you've done. So it's it's I a credit to you. It. But yes, yeah. you did answer the question. Okay. You did. Thank you did. You. Yeah. So but, I guess I'll I'll keep going then with my next one because. I said, you know, Tyler and I are obviously trying to make it and I'm I'm on another one trying to make it right. And we're just we're trying to do what we love. And like you mentioned, yeah. right? it's just something that you love doing. And if nobody listens, I don't you know, 
we're having fun doing it. But right. I am curious, what has, do you think, been something that has, you know, maybe the biggest catalyst to help you guys get to where you are now? Like from that subway meeting, uh-huh. and obviously you take off a little bit, like what has been the biggest thing that has helped you? Has it been putting podcasts out every day? Has it been you and Sam just having a connection beforehand? Like what do you think has been, you know, the biggest help for you? I do think the built-in consistency is is helpful. You know, there is some people that say, "Oh, well, you guys are really consistent." It's like, well, yeah, we're supposed we're forced to be. Um, and and locked on clearly had research from the beginning. I, they right. they were they went pretty much full fledged in about 2019, so they're still pretty new. Um, but I think the biggest separator has been chemistry. There's a lot of shows out there. There's a lot of cub shows. There's a couple others that that do a daily show. And you know, to get to the position we have in such a short amount of time since July of 2022, I really think chemistry, along with the format, um, has been the the combination that has led us to the place we're in now. Um, you know, I I, I do think that. Uh, we're at the end of the day, Sam and I are, are great friends. Um, no matter what happens with the show, that's always going to be true. Um, you know, he's he's witnessed big moments in my life, uh, whether they're trials or, or triumphs, you know, including getting married six weeks ago. He was he was right there. And um, congrats you know, along, along other family and friends. Yeah. Thank yeah, you. That's awesome. You. I didn't know that. He, Tyler, yeah. there's no, no background. We have his, high I didn't school, put that in the notes. We don't I forgot to add that into the notes for the episode. <laughs> Going to Prairie Ridge was, was in there, but yeah. Uh, Congratulations. <laughs> but yeah, sorry uh, to cut you off. Yeah. Go yeah. Ahead. No. So I, I do think it's chemistry. Now I, I think it's helpful to get feedback you know, that, that comes with the territory, um, you know, whether that's a YouTube comment or a tweet or a text from somebody. Um, but I do think we have a, a good feel for this. And I think the proof is in the numbers. You know, what's interesting about YouTube is there's a live scoreboard. So I see what the other shows are doing. I don't know if they see what we're doing, because as I have learned about the business, um, it's a little bit weird out here. Um, but you know, I, I know my reputation. I know my character. Um, I know what we're doing. I know what we're doing is for the right reasons. I think people see that. I think people like genuine people. Um, and so I think combining, you know, information and entertainment every day with the chemistry that we already had from the 92 shows when no one knew, knew who we were, I think that's really uh, the listeners have really taken to that. Yeah. You talk about it right there when I mentioned earlier how you and I have had multiple conversations on how to grow my show. And you've even asked me about stuff that you guys can do for your show, which I was yeah. you know, very honored to to be asked that um, from a fan perspective. But I, right. I think one of the things that you told me, which was the most important thing I've learned through our discussions and everything was you talking about grinding through those a hundred shows or whatever amount that actually was yeah. that really grew your relationship with Sam, but more importantly, grew your, your confidence and your right. expertise in the way you were talking. I want you to kind of expand on that a little bit. Like 
when you guys were doing the 100 shows, were you guys, you know, trying different things every episode or were you more trying to more get down like your rhythm as to the intro and how you, um, you know, handle big news or any of those things? You know, I just wanted you to kind of uh, talk about that a little bit. Yeah, it was probably more of the latter, just trying to find a rhythm. Um, but Sam and I are very comfortable off mic. So I think it was really, you know, okay, now we're behind the mic. Now we press record. Now we're putting it out to the world. You know, what does that mean for us now doing a show? Um, and then just learning about how much goes into doing a show that you don't even know. Like you're, I've had some matrix moments as a lockdown Cubs host and producer, like watching YouTube to learn about YouTube. It's like, well, I didn't think that was going to be my reality, but here we are. Um, I I have felt like just by listening to good shows as a consumer and reading all the time that I, I, I had found that I had a knack for like writing episode titles and episode descriptions. And, but I've had to learn that to kind of up the game as, as now with a, a bigger show right in front of a, a bigger audience. Um, but yeah, I think it's just, you know, being able to adapt um, and, and be flexible. But really, I just think it's getting the reps. I really do. You know, we did about 30 to 40 minutes weekly. That turned out to 20 to 30 daily, which is a big change. Let's let's be real. That's a big change. When Locked On has an onboarding call with their uh, host or even just a, an interest call or a networking call, I, that's always one of their first points. Do you understand that this is every day? Because that's that's their format. Um, but yeah, I think it was just about getting the rhythm of doing this. And we did try different things, but we didn't necessarily have a format. Uh, we just kind of went, you know, we had a, I had a notepad in front of me. Um, but yeah, I think it was more about the rhythm and just the the pure reps. When I tell students that are interested I talk about reps all the time. I think that's critical. Clearly, you guys have done a lot of reps. And one of my favorite things as I listen to you and, and Sam is I feel like if if you and I right were to go out and just have a drink or watch a Cubs game, like I feel like you guys would be the same person in person mm. that you are on the show. And I, I love that. And maybe you're not. Maybe you're a jerk outside. I don't know. But this comment right there, that's a win. Yeah. That when we get that comment, that's huge. We could do all the numbers in the world, but that's really how it's supposed to be. If you can slide up the chair to the bar, to the table, wherever, and just talk Cubs, that's the point. Which is interesting for a baseball show. Because everyone's got the numbers and the info and the quotes. And guess what? We do that too. But if you can pull up to the table and, and have a drink with us or whatever it is, like Vinny is saying... That's the goal. That's the biggest win. You saying that just made my night. We still have to record our show. <laughs> but but that that is a huge win right there. That's what we're going for. That's beautiful. I love it. Clearly, you guys, I mean, the, the work that you put in beforehand, before getting on lockdown, obviously shows you guys have a great chemistry. Um, and my last question for the, the podcast section of this, and then maybe uh -huh. I don't know if Tyler has any more. You interviewed Juan Pierre, but do you have a dream guest or someone that you would just love, like bringing this person on to interview, whether it's Cubs or just anyone in general? Yeah, I would say one of the three head honchos, Ricketts, Hoyer, Council. Okay. Sam and I made a conscious decision not to really have any guests. 
Uh, I think that's a departure for most shows. We, we wanted first it was uh, about feel, um, you know, in terms of, OK, let's just get this thing off the ground, see what happens. We've had a couple guests on, but um, I, I would say it would be those it would be those three. It'd be those three. I'm I am very curious to see how those conversations go, especially as we go into this next year. And there are a lot of questions surrounding the Cubs. And we're gonna yeah. we're gonna roll into our Outlook series here, which has been truly one of my favorite things that we've done here this offseason. This was like you said earlier, Matt, you talked about things that you trialed and see what works and what doesn't work. Well, we feel like this has worked for us because it has given us an entirely new view of rosters and also to kind of seeing the longer term plan for some of these organizations right. that many people may short sighted see, well, they're not ready to win this year. Well, they're not ready to win this year because of this, this, and this. So this will be a season that you guys have talked about more than enough on the show where there is just so many questions still about this ball club. They went 83 and 79 last year. And of course uh, ended up being one wild card spot away from being in the playoffs. And they unfortunately lost out on the NL pennant reigning champs, the Arizona diamondbacks. So let's start with one of the folks that you just mentioned that you would love to sit down for an interview, which has been really their biggest acquisition this offseason thus far, which is Craig Council. I mean, realistically, what do you feel like are your expectations from him and maybe what we can see from a results standpoint uh, like you guys have alluded to thus far? I would say expectations are pretty high. I'm so excited that he's the manager. I think that's part of the reason why the offseason has been so confusing, although now we're realizing so deep into it that it was more of a an issue of the marketplace, but that was such a high back in November and the come down has just been like, well, where are the new players? You know, you're looking around, no one's really around. Um, but Craig council on his own, I think is worth a handful of wins, about four or five. And um, so that would be, you know, given the current Cubs roster projected about low eighties, uh, you know, I think fan graphs had him at 81 and a half. FanDuel has 83 and a half, um, you know, with council. Does that mean they win 87 or 88? Uh, but council is one of the best managers in the game. He's uh, probably a top two in-game manager and uh, very excited. You know, I, I do think that all things considered, why I, why I have not really gone to the level of like a freak out about the off season and while, and why I will not, if they exit the off season without any of the four Boris players is because I'm comforted by council. He makes me more comfortable with this season. The off season hasn't been very fun, but remember back in early November when they did make this huge move that nobody saw Nobody knew, not one reporter, not one person. It just broke. When was the last time a story just broke? Never. It, it never awesome. happened. It was um, fantastic. So, yeah, I, I feel really good about him. Yeah. What's also, you know, they're looking back now, 
with all that happened, right, as Cubs fans and as an as an entire basically kind of culture is that with what happened, what's forgotten is what they did to David Ross, right? And we can there could be an entire episode on that whole situation and everything, right? You have, you know, I had, I had a Cardinals fan, of course, but I had a Cardinals fan be like, you know, what you guys did to Ross wasn't a good thing and this and that. And at the time when it happened, it just felt very nice to see that the organization was saying, specifically Jed Hoyer and Carter Hawkins saying, this is the move we need to make moving forward to make right. our team better. Looking back on it now, because it's it was such an intense kind of day and morning when that all happened. I remember the episode that you guys put out, yeah. like it was just insane. two episodes that day. It was, I mean, it, it still blows my mind that it still happened, but with David Ross, like looking back on it, like, are your feelings still the same as to everything that went down that day? Do you think, do you wish things maybe went a little bit different, but where, where's your head at now with all that? Yeah. I mean, Jed Hoyer's a professional. I, I know it went down in a little bit of a aggressive way and, uh, he was working in the shadows a little bit and allegedly flew down to Florida and texted David Ross that he was in the area and obviously had a deal with council already, you know, done. So, you know, that's, that's the, uh, maybe the darker side of, of the business, but it's part of it. And, um, you know, I think it, if, if an upgrade was available and Hoyer felt strongly, then, you know, that's up to him. Clearly he did. Um, you know, really the, the question would be, well, what about when Hoyer and Ricketts gave Ross a vote of confidence in early October? Mm-hmm. What happened in those 30 days? Well, you know, they started digging in more on the season and Craig Council became a free agent. And a free agent means that he's free to go wherever he wants. And he didn't really want to go too far from home. And the Cubs are ready to pay him a lot of money. So at the end of the day, I know he said publicly, it was, you know, there wasn't much decision-making happening. You know, he felt like that was the right challenge for him. The Cubs were offering the resources. He's close to home in Wisconsin. That's it. Um, But I will say, I, I do think David Ross might end 2024 with a manager job. I will say that. I was just about to say, and and the other thing, and the other way to look at it too, because as a, so I, I said to that Cardinals fan, I said, well, okay, let me ask you this. If Craig council was brought in at the helm for the Cardinals and they fired their manager, would you be pissed? And he goes, well, and I was like, sorry, it's a cold world. And if he was a player, right. It's just as worse as a player. When you're brought in, you're not necessarily getting fired, but somebody's brought in that can do the job better. Exactly. It's the real world. Let's talk about this lineup here, Matt, for mm. 2024. Oh, no. Now, okay. I know, I know, I know. But this is, we're just going off of this based on the sole fact that. Current players, that right? Current players. Yeah. We're not doing the whole Bellinger and Chapman no. thing. I just don't, I, we'll talk about that later. But so lineup right now, if I'm looking at it from a projection standpoint, and this is fan plus sort of us just knowing right. how this roster is going to work out. Left field, Ian Happ, center field, Mike Talkman and PCA, right field, Seiya Suzuki. Third base, looking like a platoon of Nick Madrigal, Patrick Wisdom, Miles Mastromoni. Okay. Shortstop and second base, bo- both Gold Glovers and Danzy Swanson and Nico Horner. First base, Michael Bush, as of right now. Behind the dish, you have Jan Gomes along with Miguel Amaya. And then, of course, 
the at the DH, Christopher Morrell. The first name I do want to talk about there is Christopher Morrell. Why do you think he was not traded this offseason? I think that he's very limited defensively. So how does his value match up with other teams that might be trying to acquire Morrell in like a value-for-value value deal? You know, Morrell has so many years of control left. Um, I believe it's five years of control. So the Cubs would never give up on him. It would be that, well, they're acquiring a really good player that's also under control. Um, so I think that's the main reason. You know, there was no morale for a rental. Not going to happen. Makes no sense. And is there really other teams that you could line up that have a position need where maybe the Cubs could get back a starting pitcher um, or a relief pitcher or both? And, you know, what are the other parts that deal look like? You know, would the Cubs have to trade a prospect or two as well? Um, so I, I thought maybe a team would value Morrell at like second base. Um, I think he, he has showed really well there. Um, but that's about it. He has a big problem with his feet uh, he, and catching. He, he has a plus arm. He could throw, but he can't catch. And in making that throw to third – as he picks up the ball and in that transition across the field, um, there's just, I, I've heard multiple times now, his feet are just, he can't do it. It was a good thing, I think, to Tyler, like you mentioned, why didn't they trade him? When they signed Council, I don't know if you remember this too, but Council's a big fan of Christopher Morrell. At least that's how he framed yeah, it. He went on record. Yeah. yeah. And he said, this guy deserves a spot in the everyday lineup. And so, I think that's pretty telling. And I think, you know, he makes a perfect DH, but you're absolutely right with all that control. It makes it tough to do a, a deal, um, whether it's a one for one or for a pitcher or something like that. I did want to ask there's a, you know, this is a very even team. Like there's not any superstars. And, you know, there's holes, I guess, at third base and, you know, maybe some here and there. But are there any players that you feel like, the Cubs success really hinges on this year. Like this guy has got to come out or like one or two players that you think, you know, if this guy doesn't show up, it's going to be a disaster season or is it just all across the board? What are yeah. your thoughts on who has to show up this year? Well, the way the roster is currently built, I would say happens Suzuki. You know, they're the cornerstones of the team. They're signed up for a little bit. Yeah. Middle um, of the order. They're at the corner outfield spots. Yeah. Right in the current lineup, they're hitting three, four. So if they don't show up, then there's no team. Yeah. You know, Horner and Swanson would kind of be that next tier, maybe even Morrell. But, yeah, I think it's Happen Suzuki by a lot. You know, even if they sign Bellinger or Chapman or J.D. Martinez, I would say it's Happen Suzuki by a lot. Yeah, I, I would agree with that. I'm I'm excited for Suzuki. I think Suzuki's going to have a big year. but um, And Hap has just been – consistent i would love to see him take a little bit of a next step but he's been very consistent Vinny, where do you think hap should bat ideally well are you talking like a world series contending team or the, well, cubs, the cubs right now on the cubs um let's say I, with bellinger i would think you know the switch hitting is nice i would think he would slot in as a good five hitter okay i, I don't think he's a three hitter as he's been played right. i think he was played as a three hitter i don't think that's a good home for him, but I think he slots in as a good five hitter, right? If you have a good 
one through four. Yep. I don't know how you exactly fill that out. You know, with Bellinger, Bellinger's four. I guess Suzuki could be three. Nico, Dansby, yep. one, two. Mm-hmm. Um, I think Hat makes a good five in that, okay. in that order. And Morel, like you said earlier, Matt, like I, I agree to where it's, it's say a Suzuki in my opinion, okay. but what's interesting though, is that if this lineup is his constructed as it is right now, if Morel can somehow have this flash of a season that it was all worth holding on to him for, for the next couple of years, it adds so much flexibility to the lineup because then yeah. Saya doesn't have to do as much. I mean, we still want him to do a lot, but then Hap's not being plugged into the three hole. And then I know Sam, I mean, talk about a campaign that guy put on to have him be at leadoff last year, which the numbers did show, you know, that he, he, yeah. Yeah. Been at, yeah. hundred percent. Yeah. Um, talked about that all the time. His approach has completely changed over the years, but yep. um yeah, I, I think Nico is just going to give you what you expect. Dansby, I just think that he got sort of in a in a good position out in Atlanta where he was just in such a dominant lineup that he was able to have a little bit less off his shoulders. Now right. he's got more on. Um, but I have to admit, man, Michael Bush, I know he's a little older, but a little older sometimes is a good thing because this guy is now, he's been in the game for a long time. And like, there's something to say about those guys that, have grinded through those years. We talked about the hundred episodes. He seems like he's done a couple episodes, but he, he has now, he now has that opportunity and it's just, is this guy going to pop off or not? And right. When you're a top prospect in the Dodgers organization, you're pretty legit. So um, any other things there on the lineup that you wanted to mention, or should we move on to the starting rotation? Are you asking me or Matt? I, I think I don't know at this point because okay. we're, we're just rolling right now. We're absolutely rolling right now. Let's talk rotation. Justin Steele, Jameson Tyone, Shoto Imanaga, who's added this offseason, which was uh, one of their this top This team might win 67 games. Go ahead. We're at that point right now. <laughs> Kyle Hendricks, Jordan Wicks, Javier Assad, Hayden Wisniewski, Drew Smiley, Fergie Jenkins. Um, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like, are you are you actually, like, if if, let's say – Two scenarios, of course, because we're still in this period of who are who else are they going to pick up? Things could still happen, right? And that's why it's so tough having this episode because we thought by now these guys would be signed, right? right? We didn't it's, think it's Boris crazy. would would want to have. Uh, we we think Boris would want to take some vacation uh, this time. Well, yeah, year, I, I do wonder hasn't. like how his day progresses. I, yeah, it must just be uh, so much fun to make everyone's lives miserable. Um, <laughs> but are you like? So let's say with this lineup right now, are you fine with this rotation right now? Because I know the lineup, you still want things to change. But from a rotation standpoint, do you feel like you're pretty good with what this is going look going to look like here in 2024? Probably. I, I think the rotation's done. Uh, whether I'm fine with it is maybe another story. It would be nice to get a better pitcher in there than say a Hendricks or Tyone or Imanaga, you know, someone behind Steele, you know, dare I say someone in front of Steele, but I don't know if that's realistic. Um, but if you got a legit person behind Steele, then everyone goes down a rung. Wow. That would really be something. Um, you know, that's why we made arguments for Montgomery on yeah. the show. That's why you could make an argument for Snell. Um, 
so yeah, I'm okay with the rotation. Uh, not not against upgrades, certainly. You know, even a Michael Lorenzen would it would make me feel better. It would. I know he's not a world beater, but um, you know, I think that would just mean less reliance on the young players from March 28th. I'm starting to warm up to the young players, which is which is a big movement for me. It is. I would almost say that I'm against I'm against it or I just don't understand it. Um and admittedly because I just don't know enough about it and I've chosen not to. Like I've chosen not to really follow the prospect scene. Um, but if you could have Lorenzen instead of Wick slash Assad in April, then maybe that's better. And then Wicks and Assad make contributions in the summer into the fall, meaningful baseball. Great. Maybe even Ben Brown, maybe even Kate Horton. But right now that front four of, of Steele and Minaga, Tyone and Hendricks, and probably not in that order, but that four plus Wicks and Assad. I I am okay with that, um, but but obviously there's needs there too. I had thought when I listened to your episode, um, your most recent one, I thought the Mike Lorenzen call out was phenomenal. I think that would be a terrific ad. You mentioned nine million dollars to fill out your rotation, solidify that five hole. I thought that was a great call out. So um, I don't know if that was you or Sam that originally brought. Well, that Morosi up, but... actually connected the Cubs to Lorenzen. Oh, did he? I, I've seen Lorenzen with like, I want to say it was the Angels or something like that. Yeah, or, yeah. Um, definitely don't want Noah Syndergaard, though. I know he's been no, also connected no. um, a few times. But um, moving on to the bullpen, right? So Yeah, a lot of competition there. Yeah, I'm curious. I'll you know, I'll be curious to know your thoughts on the Hector Nira signing, but just some of the names that are being thrown, you know, that are on the roster now. Yancy Almonte. Uh, Mark Leiter Jr., Jose Quas, um, Julian Merriweather, Hector Neris, Adbert Alzoy. How are you feeling about the bullpen? Concerns? Good? Is it a strength? Is it a weakness? I know you guys mentioned last year at this, you know, at the the deadline that was a huge weakness for them. Did they yeah. address it with Hector Neris, or you know, I, now I that they so. can move Smiley and and Wisniewski? How do you feel about the bullpen? I would err on the side of it being a strength. I really would. Um, you know, yeah, woulda, coulda, shoulda last July. But um, as of right now, I, I am excited about the bullpen competition. Um, there's as many as I think I, I counted it one time. I don't know. I, I have so many notebooks. I think I lost the list. But I wrote them all down one one day a couple of weeks ago. I think there was 18 dudes competing for four spots this spring for the bullpen. Um, But yeah, they have a nice foursome right there that are locked in, which means that the other four spots are open with Smiley, Merriweather, Neris, and Alzali. Um, I I, I like those four a lot. I think inning seven, eight, nine, those are the four. Yeah. Um, You know, it can't be every day, obviously. But, you know, the other four, though, I think is critical. I don't I think the days are gone where you just have like, okay, here's the eighth bullpen guy. No. That's not a thing. Because the starter only goes five innings. And maybe Smiley went two yesterday, so he has gym shoes on. Naris had a high leverage inning yesterday, so he's out. You know, not everyone's available every day. 
Um, so that's why I'm even open to like a Ryan Stanek. What if they get yeah. him tonight? Great. Because then again, that slides the rung back. Mm-hmm. That's yep. five locks, only three spots open. Mm-hmm. If Lighter has a great spring, that's five spots, only three open. So I do think there's a lot of competition. I really want to try to have fun with that on the show this March. I think spring training, uh, like all of baseball, is too long. Okay, the pitch clock thing, big win, but the total volume of games. Yeah. Maybe we can work on that next as well. 31 spring training games. Come on, people. What is it? 31? Is it 31? 31? What are we doing? So we're gonna break down the bullpen. We're gonna pick, we're gonna call it a reliever a day. What reliever had the best performance today? We're gonna give it nine pitchers. Yep. Right, right. We're gonna maybe spin a wheel. Maybe we'll have someone make a graphic, something like you guys could make that for it. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) So there's gonna be a lot of competition. Um, let's see what these you know these guys do. Um, but I do like that foursome right now of, of Smiley, Neris, Merriweather, and Alzali. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. One of the things that you talked about there, which I have to admit, you know, there have been things, of course, that people have given Jed a lot of flack for with how long he's taken to make some of those decisions that he's made thus far. But realistically, it's kind of worked out necessarily not because of him more of because of Boris. But one of the things that he has done, you you and I texted about this, Matt, was the amount of depth that they brought in, like you just mentioned, with the amount of names that they have available. Now, I actually had a question written where I am actually thoroughly concerned about the middle relief of the pen. And it it starts with Mark Leiter Jr., who really, really tapered off at the end. So maybe that is why they brought in the depth that they have, because they saw that from some of the guys being overworked last year. But right. Quas was very, very difficult to watch at times. And then, yeah, Alma- and then that's putting it mildly. <laughs> it was horrible. Um, but you know, and 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 Almonte, while he's uh, he had a very, yeah, very what are your nice thoughts on him, Ty. So he had a very, very nice 22 uh campaign, then 23 okay. got out of hand. And I think it was because the way that they used him. Because oh. if you look at his splits between left and right, he had a 1.96 whip against lefties and a 1.14 whip against righties now with the new rules and everything that has changed everything for these relievers i mean i mean remember when we i think there was a game that ended up being like 45 minutes or an hour longer based on the amount of bullpen changes that were made so i'm glad that's gone but it affects guys like a guy like almonte and and some of these other pitchers so i'm a little concerned about that what are your thoughts there do you think that just having this much depth is just going to sort of blanket that concern or do you actually see that they have some issues in the middle of that pen well i could, i do see that there's issues but you know, does the volume make up for it? I guess right now I'm thinking it does, but um, I do think that's one of the few points where we can look at the games in March and evaluate. There's going to be very rare moments where we could do that, especially on the positional side. So if we can create a spreadsheet of these 18 guys and say, oh, who's doing the best and, you know, what 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 are they throwing, by the way, are those pitches valuable right now? You know, maybe it's more about pitch type. What are the Cubs looking for? How about this? What is Craig Council looking for? 
Yeah. If somebody can do something in the sixth inning with a changeup or a curveball or a slider or a sweeper, maybe that's what he errs on. I don't know. Let's find that out this March. But for whatever reason, I will say the volume of guys does make up for the concern right now. Um, but I could see why somebody would say, well, no, you're wrong. Um, but I do think, you know, the kind of this bingo card of names, that is interesting. As a diehard fan, I do find that interesting, that there would be 17 people competing for four spots. That's real. Would you like a job in the major leagues? Then you better pitch well this spring. Otherwise, you're going back to Des Moines or you're going back to your cubicle. Right? And it by is, the way, if you don't have options, then you're you're done. If you have options, then you're more valuable to the Cubs because we can send you to Des Moines. You could come up and down all year. Mm-hmm. How difficult that must be from a GM standpoint with how volatile these arms are and then right. having these limited options for these guys. Right. And it like, is absolutely insane. Like That's Carl just... Edwards Jr. Yeah. He's do back. you want to open the season with the Cubs? Because if you do, then you have to really pitch well this spring because he doesn't have options. So they can't send him to Des Moines. Either you make the team or you don't. That's what blew my mind. Sorry, last thing about this, and then I'll shut up. Like, I saw that the Cubs didn't invite Kate Horton to spring training. Yeah, that was a little bit strange. Wasn't that a little surprising? I just, you know. Now, you, when they say they say they don't invite him to spring training, they're saying he will not pitch in a MLB spring training not game. Not even he's, that. Not even that. It's just that he's not in big league camp with everybody. He's on the minor league side on that those smaller fields. That really concerns me because of the arm thing. In the history because people have said that he's going to be up by August 1st. Well, then why wouldn't he be in big league camp with, with Hadavi yeah. and all the coaches and Hendricks and all the veterans? It, it's weird. Yeah. Yeah. I thought that was now he's only a hundred yards away, but still, why isn't he just there from day one? Yeah. yeah. He's one of the better pitchers in the organization. Right. So anyway, yeah, right. Yeah. Right. Plug him in the five tomorrow. Um, <laughs> yeah. Let's let, I know we're running up on time here. You got to. Yeah. How uh, long is this show? Wow. We don't really know. <laughs> we don't really know. You you don't ever do these longer shows. So this no, has got to be no. fascinating. Well, I love this. A, we've done a, a few of them. Yes. Yes. Yeah, yes. Yeah. Last couple things. Um, besides Cody Bellinger or Matt Chapman or, or who would you prefer? That'll be my first question. Who would oh. you prefer for them to sign? And two, are there any other names that besides um, any of them that you mentioned thus far that you'd maybe like to see the Cubs sign? Yeah. So we're actually doing our episode on that tomorrow. Ooh, if so the Cubs don't you. sign Bellinger, who can they sign? Excluding Chapman. So excluding Bellinger and Chapman, who can Love they it. sign? Love it. Um, I haven't seen that out there yet. So once again, we're the leaders in the clubhouse on that. Um. <laughs> No more. I would prefer Bellinger, but I've talked about Chapman for since last summer um, with with my my one of my best friends Kevin who played for the Mets. Ty, I think I've told you about him before. Um, he he has some connections to Matt Chapman, and I remember last July we were talking about him maybe being a future Cub and how good of a fit he he is. Um, so we'll see. You know, there's a lot of prospects at third base. Um, so I do think Bellinger's a, a better fit, you know, for first or center and or both. They really need a middle-of-the-order bat. 
Um, but if they don't get one of those guys, how does J.D. Martinez sound? J.D. Martinez is a legitimate slugger. Uh, he's a, he's made the all-star game the last three years, hit 33 home runs last year. He would probably be a one-year deal guy. Um, again, you, I say J.D. Martinez then in the comments, or you're thinking right now, what about Morrell? What about Morrell? We just spent 10 minutes of the show on him. Um, I don't, I don't know. I don't know, but I know JD Martinez is a is a legit slugger. And um I I know he's right-handed. I know the Cubs don't need more of that, but they need more good players. They don't have anybody in the middle of the order right now. Morell in that projected lineup tie, I in my lineups right now, he's seven or eight. Morell. That's not the middle of the order unless they reinvented uh the sport and, and 20 people hit. But he's not he's not a middle of the order guy. JD Martinez, he'd be the three hitter or the four hitter or the five. It's I mean, for sure he would be. Yeah. I mean, he was three, um, four, five on the Dodgers, and that's you know, yeah. So I'm, I'm just I'm I'm done with the offseason, man. It's 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 been a grind, especially you mentioned it earlier. I think Bellinger wants to come back though. Yeah, I agree. He was a he was in Arizona for the waste management open. Nobody's At acknowledging some point, that. Does he intervene? And say, listen, what number are, are, is Jed saying? This is him talking to Boris. And they just sign one, one random. Give me a player order. option. Because give yeah. me a player option because they want PCA. So then give me a player option and then right. we'll figure it out next year. And I can go play first base. I can play wherever you want. Hey, right. let's not also forget that Ian Happ and Seiya Suzuki aren't necessarily going to stay healthy for an entirety of a campaign. Probably right. more Matt, probably more Seiya having issues than Hap. So right. it, the amount of depth that you can have with a winnable division, it, it it's it's a no-brainer. Um, but the J.D. Martinez pick, I really like a lot. Okay. Um, now, when before they got Michael Bush, I weirdly thought about Whit Merrifield for some weird reason. Really? But, I never heard that. But the problem, though, is is that if, if you got oh, Nico, yeah, that my my, I mean, for to all play, of what us. Posi- what position yeah, I was going to say, where's he going to go? Yeah. Um first base you're saying? Uh yeah, maybe not. Uh well I was thinking <laughs> I genuinely don't know like what position did he log the most time in last year? I I think it was outfield. It was, it was outfield. Was right. Well then yeah. he's he's not an yeah. option. Yeah. But second but, base outfield. You know, I don't know. I I I seriously this is this is how my off season has gone as well is just running through just, various right. names and Figuring right. it the That's hell out. the problem. Moving I never would have thought Mike, base, Michael know? Bush would have been one that they grabbed, but you know, yeah, yeah, you're absolutely right. Here we are. You just got to throw names in there and see what happens. Matt, this has been a lot of fun, man. Um, we really appreciate you staying on this long for us. Yeah, yeah it was the, fun. It was a lot of fun. I thoroughly enjoyed this, and I hope that people that listen in that want to get to know you better, which they can, on your unlocked show which i want you to talk about here in just a sec but where can people find you generally and then i also want you to just talk briefly about unlocked yeah i mean i really don't want people to find me um just kidding uh wow no laughs below oh yeah no (laughs) you already have sorry i was more focused on being the producer you already have full time Uh, no i the only social media i have left is x uh there it is right there at 
Matt underscore cozy, uh, locked on Cubs. Also, Matt and Sam unlocked as uh, Sam and I continue to explore different avenues to do, uh, do this more. Um, we did launch a subscription podcast, $5 a month. Uh, you could find that uh, at the link in our most recent episode descriptions. Um, we're six episodes in, and uh, we're about we're, we're over a third of the way to our goal, our yearly goal. So um, that's good because we're only about a month into doing it. So, um, yeah, you know, we'll see what happens on this podcasting journey. You know, teacher by day, podcaster by night. Very excited for the season. Um, you know, I, I think you guys are are very good at this. Um, I enjoy the show. I've been listening, you know, very frequently. Uh, Vinny, congrats on the Just Baseball fantasy Thanks. gig. And, you know, we, we've flirted with Ty, uh, you know, doing things with us at Lockdown Cubs. And he has. He's guest hosted. He's been on uh, some of our, our call-in shows, um, and I, I do have a couple ideas that you know are not ready for air right now, but let's just put it like this. I would like Ty uh, to contribute to Locked On Cubs in 2024. Um, rah, rah. I think there's something that we could figure out I, um, and, and you know, running the, run, running the point on an episode. Um, and, uh, with a little bit of a twist. So hopefully more information on that soon. It wasn't ready for this episode. Uh, but, uh, if we increase our output a little bit, I think I know where to find a host. Just leave it at that. You are the man. We really appreciate you taking the time to do this, especially with, you know, the crazy schedule and everything. Congratulations again on getting married. Thank you. Um, meeting you and Kira was absolutely wonderful. And yeah, um, we're really hoping that you make your way out here again, very, very soon. Uh, there might be, I heard rumors in the media that that might be happening, but right, we won't, right. we won't confirm or deny don't those reports. Don't publicize that at this time. You know, we yeah. don't want people flaunting to you and everything. So uh, to everyone that tuned in, thank you so much again for listening to another edition of the big fly pod. We'll talk to you again here soon.